Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Gregory will continue in this new series called We Church, and we pray that it's a blessing to you. We're going to pick up part three of We Church today, and of course, we know the iPhone has changed the way that we do life. Is that a correct statement? Right? Most smartphones have changed the way that we do life. And if we're not careful, they will change the way that we do church. And of course, they should because technology should improve how we do church. But how I many we can't lose the basic core values of why God set church up in the first place? And so the iPhone is fully customizable, right? You set it for all of your personal preferences. But we've been talking about this is not a I church or an E church or a me church. The church is a group of people, and it's lots of them who come together to know and worship Jesus, just like we did today. So it's not the I church, it's not the E church, but it is the we church. That's what we see in the book of Acts as it introduces us to what's called the first ever church plant. Now, I mean, no, God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if he started the church this way, I mean, no, it was meant for the church to keep these core values but deliver them to the generation that you actually live in. But don't lose the core values, right? And so we're looking at this community of believers that are doing life together. So again, if the I church and the E church is about me and my preferences, then the we church is about Christ and his preferences. Now let's read our foundation text in Acts chapter 2. Let's begin at verse 42. Because at the end of the day, do we want our preferences or do we want his preferences? Right? Our preferences will get us our results, but his preferences will get us his results. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, the Passion Translation says, every believer was faithfully devoted. Every believer was. How many believers are in this room? Now, what I'm challenging you all, there's a paradigm shift. We have really come to a place where being a believer means I go to church. But I mean, being a believer is so much more than that. Going to church is where you start, but how many know that's not the end of it? I went to church today because I'm a Christian, right? How many know it's so much more? I want to challenge you that really church doesn't begin until you leave today. Can I get a little better amen in that? When does church begin? When you leave today. We need to have a sign at the exit saying, welcome to the battlefield. Because that's really where it's at. It's not in here. So every believer was faithfully devoted. They were committed, right? God could trust them in this particular capacity to follow the teachings of the apostles. So the word of God, they prioritized that. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. They were connected. Come on, linked up church. They shared communion and common uh, and, and commonly or common together regularly for prayer coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All the believers, that's interesting, every and all, all the believers were in fellowship as one body. So they all fellowshiped with each other all the time. And they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God. They were continually filled with praises to God. You didn't have to stoke them. Come on, somebody. They didn't need a praise team to come out and fire them up. 
they were just continually filled with the praises of God, kind of like the people in this room and online right now. Boy, if you give them a moment, they will open their mouth and give God glory and praise. They will never pass up an opportunity to say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That's why I love this church, because your mouths are continually filled with the prayer. You know, a thankful heart is a grateful heart. And a grateful heart is always giving praise and glory to God. Take five seconds and just go ahead and, and go ahead and just. Because he's been good. I want this to be an atmosphere where, man, we just, that's who we are. We praise and we worship God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Now, this challenges our theology. See, in church, if you, if you just go to church, the only time people get saved is at church. But this church was getting people saved every day. See, we've left the job of getting people saved to the pastor. Go, pastor. Go get them. Now, you all look at statistics. The average lifespan for a pastor is about five to seven years. That's all about how long his church lasts. You look at the death rate of pastors, they usually die about at the age of 70, 75. Because the people wear them out. I remember we were at the... At the uh, True story. If you come from church, you know what I'm getting ready to tell you. I can't remember where we were at the, uh, uh, in Powder Springs, the new amphitheater, and they had a guest speaker there. It was the mayor's pastor. And this is all honor to the mayor's pastor. It's just where he comes from. But he sang the song. He directed the choir. He preached the message. Then he prayed for everybody after service. How long do you think he's going to last every weekend? Actually, the job of getting people saved is the people's. The pastor's job is to equip the people to go out and win the lost. But you see how it's kind of switched. The people come to church and then go live their lives and say, Pastor, go get them. There's a shift coming to Linked Up Church where the work will begin when we leave. Anybody going to help us out? All right, now, what have we talked about already? We gather around God's word, right? We do life together. Today we're going to talk about we share meals and take communion. How many of y'all like to eat? That's not enough hands going up. I asked a question. How many of you all like to eat? How many of y'all are thinking right now about what you are going to eat when you leave today? Don't lie. Raise your hand. How many of y'all have already made reservations? Most of us, believe it or not, have already planned. We think on the day before what we want to eat the next day. Come on, help me out, church. Don't leave me out here by myself. I know I can literally, after I eat lunch, I'm already asking my wife the question, what are you thinking about for dinner? <laughs> Am I right or wrong? After dinner, I'm already asking, what are you thinking about for breakfast in the morning? Which way are you going? So there's no question about it. We love food, right? And food was a big deal to the first church plant. Look at Acts 2.42, the New Living Testament says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so they were devoted faithfully to that, and to fellowship, they were faithfully devoted to that, but watch this, and to sharing meals. When's the last time you ate with someone outside of your family? When's the last time you ate with someone that's another believer here at the church? 
I hear two people saying Friday, Sunday. Everybody else like, look, I don't let nobody in my house. I don't even let my own family in my house. You're talking about letting a church member over my house. You've got to be out of your mind, right? That's how we kind of see things today, right? But that's not the way they saw things. They were faithfully devoted to sharing meals. Look at Acts 2.46, the B portion of that. New Living Translation says, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Right? So not only were they sharing meals, but they were sharing those meals with great joy and generosity, which means they didn't just serve a little something. See, we need to get back to that. You know, my grandmother on Sundays, boy, man, look here. Come on, anybody come from Sunday meals? And my grandmother would prepare these meals with great joy and generosity. She would make more than enough for everybody. And with her, if you didn't go back and get seconds, it was disrespectful to her. If she made one of them seven-up pound cakes and that whole cake wasn't gone, it was disrespectful to her. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So sharing meals should be a time of expressing great joy and also generosity to each other. I mean, it's okay to treat every now and then. You know, in our case, we actually get invited to dinner. And then when the bills show up, they look at us. And we're both sitting there like, now, didn't they invite us? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And we watch them order everything on the menu. Am I right or wrong? They will order everything. And then the waiter, uh, will this be one check or two? They don't say a word. That's our cue right there, one check. Just give us the bill. Another time we took a couple out and we said, we're just going to test this theory. And so soon as the lady came over to take bills, I said, there will be two checks. One for them, one for us. We ordered our stuff. When it came time for them to order, I just have some water. <laughs> How much is it for just one rib, <laughs> not the whole slab? I'll never forget that as long as I live. Well, I think the wife ordered or some One of them ordered and one of them didn't or something like that. Um, and again, there's no, you know, people are in different places in life, right? And so it's no big deal. All I'm saying is when we get together, let's do it with joy. And if you're able, be generous. All I'm emphasizing here is don't be a taker. Be a giver. Right? And it's okay to say I'm not in position to treat this time. But I would love to go out with you but I'm just not in position. I, I want to say that on the front end. Don't go and order everything on the menu. I'm just giving some protocol here. Order to the degree of what's in your pocket. So in the event that they can't treat you, you all don't have to wash dishes or they don't have to call the bouncers to to put you out of the restaurant. I'm just trying to give some protocols, right? Because I'm going to give you a challenge at the end of this. And what you never want to be is a taker. And so if someone asks you, don't expect that they're going to treat. Still go and offer to pay for your own. Let them say, no, I, I have this today. Come on, I need a little help today because if you don't say these things, we just kind of. But if you invite them, offer to pay for it. Protocol, don't offer, don't ask them if you can't, if you're not in a position to do that. All right, everybody clear? All right, let's get into the word on this subject. 
Eating together was a big deal to Jesus because it was a chance, listen to this, to deepen friendships, welcome strangers, I love this, and serve the poor. Could our everyday ordinary meal times do the same? Deepen friendships, welcome strangers, bless them, and then serve the poor. Let's look at some examples of this in the Bible. Jesus is our ultimate example, correct? All right, let's look at how it can deepen friendships. Matthew chapter 26, 17, and 18, the Passion Translation reads this way. On the first day of Passover, the day when any bread made with yeast was removed from every Jewish home, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where should we prepare the Passover meal for you? And he answered them, listen to his heart. My heart longs with great desire to eat this Passover meal with you. Listen to Jesus. Go into Jerusalem and you will encounter a man. Tell him that the teacher says, my appointed time is near and I'm coming to your home to eat the Passover meal with my disciples. So Jesus wanted to invest deeply in his closest friendships, reminding them of his love, but also to equip them for what he knew was lying ahead. The reality is, folks, when I want a deeper relationship with someone, that one of the best ways to do that is to take them out to eat. And it's always interesting, around that meal, we're going to have some conversations that strengthen our relationship. Right? And depending on who it is, there's probably going to be some vision casting, some what I believe is coming next, some what's in my heart. See, Jesus was preparing his friends for his departure. And he said one of the best ways to do this is around a meal. Letter B, it blesses and welcomes strangers. Let's look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 18 from the Passion Translation. On hearing this, and the hearing this it's referring to is the death of John the Baptist. Now, how many know after your first cousin passes, how many of you want some time alone, right? But the one thing you have to learn as a believer, and it took me a long time to get this, a lot of times while you're being delivered and comforted, God still wants to use you to deliver somebody else and comfort them. I can remember I was going through the toughest time of my life uh, and I'm at my lowest and everybody's calling me asking for prayer. Can you do this? This happened. Can you come over here? And I'm like, nobody. And then God took me right here and showed me, if you're going to be mature in this, then you've got to understand that even in times when you need help, you still need to help other people. The secret that I learned from that is that when I can get out of myself and realize that some people are hurting even more than I am right now, come on somebody, that my ability, the grace of God on my life to lift them up sent somebody else into my life that was greater than me, come on somebody, to lift me up. Let's look at this example of Jesus. So Jesus, after the death of John the Baptist, slipped away privately by boat for what purpose? To be alone. But when the crowds discovered that he had sailed away, they emerged from all the nearby towns and followed him on foot. Now, in the natural, right? This is my immaturity. In the natural, that, that's kind of how I was thinking. Nobody cares about what I'm going through right now. See, that's not a leader. That's not a mature leader. <laughs> a mature leader understands that even though I'm going through something, I still have to do what I'm called to do. So but when the crowds discovered that he had sailed away, they emerged from all the nearby towns and they followed him on foot. So when Jesus landed, he had a huge crowd waiting for him, seeing so many people, look at the man, look at him now, his heart was deeply moved with compassion towards them, even though he is grieving the loss of John the Baptist, his heart is still deeply moved with compassion 
towards people that are in worse shape than he is. Folks, you think we're going through something? Live in Afghanistan right now. Come on, live in Haiti right now. We're not going through any. We need to stop all this complaining. Moved with compassion, and then that compassion moved him to heal all that were sick in that crowd. Later that afternoon, the disciples came to Jesus and said, it's going to be dark soon and the people are hungry, but there's nothing to eat here in this desolate place. You can almost hear the tone that they're saying that with. Jesus, you need to send them home. Send them to nearby villages so they can buy some food for themselves. Now, this is his staff. Don't hear this the wrong way, fellas. And ladies. And business managers. But sometimes people don't see the bigger picture because they might be focused on the numbers. They might be focused on their own personal convenience. Hello, somebody. They may be focused on my family. I'm not getting ready to stay out here and feed all these folks and my wife and kids at home. See, he's not asking you to do that every day. This is just this one time. Sometimes the staff doesn't see the big picture. I feel like I need a little encouragement today. I feel like I just need a little bit more encouragement today. I, I feel like Minister Johnny and Pastor George, gonna, they'll be waiting on me outside those doors. And, and hear this the right way. It's not that their hearts are wrong. In this moment, they're just not seeing the bigger picture. That disciple said, let them feed themselves. Send them to the villages and buy something for themselves. They don't need to leave, Jesus responded. You can give them something to eat. Now he's challenging their faith. Remember, they just said, send them away so that they can buy for themselves. Jesus said, no, you feed them. See, the only way to uproot selfishness it's for you to do something that you don't want to do for other people. How many of y'all, all of us have a little bit of selfishness in us, right? We don't want to come to prayer on Saturday because it costs something. Right? We start connect groups, that's going to cost you something. Time, your home, people, food. I want to serve. I, I really do want to be on the dream team, Pastor. I don't have time. But what do you have time to do? Do you play golf? What, what else do you do? Do you go shopping? How long do you sit at the salon? Do you get your nails done, your toes done? Do you miss any hair appointments? The light is in my eye right now. I can't even see a response right now. If you can hear me, just shout amen, hallelujah. The light is in my eye. But the real issue there is we don't want to be inconvenienced. See, do I stay home because why? I don't know. Why do I stay home? Because <laughs> it's convenient. See, I... I Listen, I've been doing this for almost two years. This is a blessing from God to roll out of my bed. Come on, somebody. Go make my coffee. Come on, somebody. Get me something to eat. Come on, turn the TV on. Get in my lazy boy chair. Put my feet up and enjoy the service. But I can't help nobody that way. Can't fellowship with people that way. Right. 
You all still glad you came to church today? Jesus said, you can give them something to eat. They answered, but all we have, see, there's the excuses, is five barley loaves and two fish. Jesus said, you know what, let me have them. All right, and then you know the rest of the story. He lifted them up before God, gave thanks, and God multiplied them. Not only was he trying to uproot selfishness in his disciples, he was actually trying to bless them and teach them how to be givers. So one of the most well-known stories in the Bible is Jesus sharing food, right? It involved a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish that fed over 5,000 people. Right? Jesus didn't have to stay. I mean, it could have been easy. He already healed him. He already prayed for him. He didn't have to stay. He could have went home. He could have said, hey, I'm grieving. John the Baptist has died. Now, I already prayed for everybody. I already healed everybody. He still stayed and fed him. He chose to be with them, but also he chose to teach us about God's generosity. Folks, on the authority of this word right here, I promise you, you'll never ever bless somebody and share a meal with someone that is in need that God doesn't feed you far greater than what it costs you to feed that person. I wish there was some faith in this room today to just believe that. You see what he's teaching us right here? That if you'll consider people who are less fortunate than you and even strangers, you will never ever feed someone and God doesn't feed you back more than what you fed people. You open up your home, you take people out to eat, you be a blessing to people. See if God doesn't bless you way more than what it costs you to be a blessing to them. And let her see, serve the poor. Serve the poor. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, 12 through 14. Then Jesus turned, I'm reading out of the passage translation. He turned to his host and said, when you throw a banquet, see a party, a get together, don't just invite your friends, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. So you know how, what we have a tendency to do every time we have a get-together? We only invite the friends that we like, the relatives that we like, and our people who have resources. Come on, either God's a lie or he's telling the truth. Is that not how we're wired fundamentally? Right, because the reality is, watch this now, it's going to prove it out in the text. Typically, those friends are going to be friends that can do the same thing for us. Those relatives are going to be people who do nice things for us. And we know that they'll return the favor. We invite the rich friends because the better we treat them, we know in turn they're going to treat us good as well. Is that accurate? Watch how the scripture bears this out. Look at what he says here. Don't invite them. Because it's likely they will return the favor. See, that's why they were invited. Because it's likely they'll return the favor. Watch this now. It is better to invite those who never get an invitation. You know how many people never get invited anywhere? that go to linked up church week in and week out. Because we, we, we become cliquish, folks. <laughs> Believe it or not, there is a socioeconomic status in the church. All of that level, they all hang together. All of that level, they all hang together. All of that level, they all hang together. Watch this. 
Then there's a level that nobody wants to hang with. And where Jesus is challenging us today, invite that person. You see those two hand claps out there? And no shouting, no nothing. The song went off right. Now we down to the real nitty gritty. They can't come in my house because they smell bad. I don't want to invite them because I might have to go pick them up. We can't invite them because we really don't know how they will act. I'm just reading the Bible. Said it is better to invite those who never get an invitation. Invite the poor to your get together, along with the outcast, the handicapped, and the blind. Those who could never repay you the favor. Then you will experience a great blessing in this life. See, we missed that part right there. Something about God that says, whatever you do something for people who can't do anything back for you in return, I will personally bless you for that. God takes that so personal that if you will just help those that are outcast, marginalized. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to be around. Smells bad. Come on, somebody. If you will just love them, I will bless you. Then you will experience a great blessing in this life. And at the resurrection of the godly, you will receive a full reward. So if you really dig into this, heaven is not taking account of all of our bless me parties. Where everybody that's there is at the same level. Well, God is taking account of the people that were invited that, were, that, that are not at your level. See, Marsha, we need to eat together. And matter of fact, Marsha invited me over to, Marsha, come up here for a minute. Come right here for a moment. Now, she had the, and we're going to take her up on this. She had the boldness, the boldness, not to just invite me over to eat. She said, Pastor, I want to bless the whole staff. You have my word. We're going to take you up on that, okay? okay? Not the whole now, staff, though. Just me and my wife. <laughs> well, I, I added that in there. She, she corrected that, didn't she? She said, now, she said, now, wait a minute, Pastor. That's your faith up there speaking. I know what level I'm at. This is just you and your wife right now. But you have our word. Listen to me. I'm saying this publicly so I can be held accountable. We're going to come over and eat at your house. Okay, we're going to hook you up too. I'm counting on the prayer, my prayer group to help me cook the meal. And we're going to hook y'all up real good. Now, hold on. You, you, po you pointed at uh, Robert. His, his, uh, no, he, is he cooking? Okay, you, you patted behind him. Okay, because if he was all cooking. The prayer group, the Ray family, and, all, and Carol, all the prayer group. Okay, great. Because if he was cooking. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be there. Love you. Right? Do you all see the heart of God in this message? Folks, this is what connect groups are all about. People who come in here and have no friends, they're looking for a family, we should swoop them up. Maybe they've never eaten in a house as nice as yours. And your exposure can inspire them. 
to go back to school. Come on, further their education. Come on, somebody. Dream again. And maybe God will use you to help them reach those goals. We can't get there by ourselves. Last point for the day, we pray together. We pray together. Not only do we eat together, we pray together. So all the believers devoted themselves to the word, to fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to prayer. Verse 47, praising God. How I many know prayer and praising God go hand in hand? Right? Prayer, and then I thank God for what I pray. Right? I did a little research while I was out of town this week in the hotel, and I learned that in Acts, we find the early church praying together and worshiping together. And these are some of the facts that I picked up. There's more said in the book of Acts and the epistles about corporate prayer, corporate learning of biblical truth, corporate evangelism, corporate Christian maturity and growth than about any personal aspects of these same Christian disciplines. That's interesting. So we don't want to misunderstand this. They're both related, but the personal dimensions of Christianity are difficult to maintain and practice consistently unless we grow out a proper corporate experience. So let me explain to you what this means, right? I can teach on love all day long, but if you're in a silo or isolated and never around people, you never develop that love. Because the love doesn't get developed until you get around people and they start rubbing you the wrong way and they say some things that you know your old self would have reached over and snatched somebody up. And it, it demonstrated to you I've grown in my love walk because I would have in the past reached over there and so do you all understand, right? The principles don't get developed outside of community. The only way to grow and develop in these things is I've got to be in community where I get to practice this stuff. Right? You want to learn long-suffering? Marriage is a good place to learn that because you all have to be patient with each other. Watch this, all the time. Watch this. You want to learn a deeper level of long-suffering? Have kids. Boy, they're going to pull all, they're going to draw all of that out of you. C come on, can I have some help in here, parents? Oh, they, I mean, they're going to test every ounce of it. All of it, all of it. My son wrote us a letter. Uh, you know, he's growing, right? He's developing. He wrote us a letter. One of the points in the letter was, thank you all because you just keep giving me another chance. And how many of you know as parents, you go all, oh, but how many of you know as parents, you're sitting there thinking like, okay, this boy milking this another chance. <laughs> Anybody here know? Because it got the, yeah, where's the balance, right? It's almost like, uh, but my point is, parenting is going to draw all of that out of you. Want it, Kev? Huh? Want to draw all of it out of you, Kev? Uh, I see Kobe sitting right there next to you right now. Want to draw all of it out of in a good way, right? We've got to be patient with these kids. Watch this. As patient as God has been with us. Because you've been raggedy a long time. Come on, I've been raggedy a long time. So when you think about pulling the string on your kids, just think about what if God would have pulled the string on you. That always helps me stay in there a little longer. Because in reality, I still don't have it together. And he just keeps working with me. Right, And so all God is doing is asking us to extend to each other what he's extended to us. Have you heard the saying that a marriage that prays together stays together? Well, it's also true that a church that prays together stays together. 
Let's do just that. We're going to model corporate prayer. Let's all stand on our feet. It's going to take a couple of minutes to do this. If you're watching online, wherever you're at, I want you to stand up on your feet. Let's model corporate prayer together in person and online. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Listen to this. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. The word intercede means you're praying on behalf of someone else. You're going to God on behalf of someone else. And then give thanks for them, the people that you're praying for. It says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority that we can live a peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Notice, at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. This is good and pleases God our Savior. As Christians, don't we want to do things that are good and that please God? Listen to this. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, they don't have this in the media room, but if you can fly it up, New King James Version, so they can see it, 2 Chronicles 7.14 New King James Version says, if my people who are called by my name, notice he's not asking the world to pray for the world. He's asking his people to pray for the world. It says, if my people who are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves. See, part of humbling yourself is praying and seeking his face and turning from our wicked ways. Notice, then... I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Today we're going to take a few minutes to pray for Haiti. They just recently experienced an earthquake, lost the life of over close to 1,400 people. How I many know they're still reeling from the earthquake of 2010? They never fully recovered from that. I don't know if you all know, but Haiti also is the epicenter of the pandemic right now. There are really three national leaders, and all three of the national leaders who refuse the virus, the COVID vaccination for their nation, all three of them have been assassinated. Just a little education information for you. So we also need to pray for the government in that area. I mean, you know, the government is what's impacting the people. We need to pray for Afghanistan for a few moments. How I many know there are Christians in Afghanistan? There are Americans in Afghanistan. But guess what? The Afghanistan people need to know God as well. And so we're going to pray for the political unrest, the terrorism, the innocent that are being attacked, the attack on women right now. How I many know people need to be liberated and free? Young girls need to be educated. They need a chance at life just like everybody else does. And then we're going to pray a few moments for this global pandemic. We're going to pray for those that have been infected, those that are hospitalized, those that have died. And then we're going to take authority over this COVID-19 and all of its variants. Can you all help me do this today? Okay, if you know how to pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in other tongues while I'm praying. If not, pray in English, okay? But we're going to do this corporately. Let's all pray. Online, I want you to do the same thing. Three prayer points will go up on the screen, and we're just going to take a couple of minutes right now to pray over these three areas. I want you all to join me this morning. Let us pray. Father, we right now lift up Haiti before you. We pray for them, Father, and we pray for healing and for restoration, Father, as a result of the earthquake's destruction, Father. We pray that aid will rush into that area. Father, physical needs, Father, housing needs, medical needs, whatever need that they have, Father, that nations will rise up and rush into that area to help them in their greatest time of need, Father. Our prayer for Haiti right now is that the glorious light of your gospel would shine into that area, that you'll send missionaries, Father, and others who know the truth of your word, Father, that'll be able to minister in a way that they'll be able to receive it. Father, we pray that Haiti will be restored supernaturally in Jesus' name. 
Father, we lift up the people right now before you, Father. You know what their greatest needs are, Father, and their deepest hurts. Comfort them right now. You are the God of all comfort. Comfort them and those, and those families that have lost loved ones in that earthquake, Father. Comfort them and love on them and show them that you are God and you are a God of restoration. Come on, church. Help me pray this morning. Father, we pray for the people of Afghanistan, Father, as they face a tough Taliban takeover, Father. We pray right now, Father, that the Americans that are still left and the Afghanistans that helped Americans, Father, that the troops will be able to get them out, Father, and there'll be no more loss of life, no hurt, harm, or danger that will come near them. We draw a bloodline around them right now that Satan cannot befall. Keep them safe from all hurt, harm, and danger until we get them back on U.S. soil safely, Father. We pray for the nation and we pray for Afghanistan as a nation, Father. We pray for its leadership, Father. We pray for the Taliban, Father. We pray that you will raise up godly leaders who will not be afraid to stand up for what's right, Father. For we know that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, Father. So I pray that you would raise up righteous authority over there with boldness, Father, and send other nations to help them bring back dignity and honor, Father. Let the young women be educated over there. Let there be liberality and equality in that area, Father. And we pray for peace in Afghanistan, Father. Peace for the people of Afghanistan. They've lost hope, Father, but you are the God of all hope. Send hope into that area, Father. What a great time for you to be God in this moment. Hallelujah. And Father, we pray against this global pandemic, Father. Every person that's currently infected right now, we come against coronavirus and COVID-19 and every Delta variant. We come against it. It is just a name, and it must bow to the name of Jesus. We take authority over it right now, Father. And we pray, Father, that not only will they recover, but they will build the antibodies and the immune system to be resistant of it from this moment forward, Father. We pray for every person that has been hospitalized, Father. We pray for nurses and doctors, Father. They'll skillfully know what to do and how to do it, Father. And these people will recover, Father. They will rise up off of those hospital beds, Father, by faith, and they'll walk out of there alive and well, Father. That is our prayer, Father, and we join our faith with them. And for every person that has lost a loved one and that has died as a result of this virus, Father, we pray that you would comfort them and be with them, Father, that you would give them hope, Father, that you would love on them, send laborers across their path to minister to them in whatever way that they need it, Father. Bring hope to those households, Father. And finally, Father, we just take authority over everything called covid or coronavirus or Delta variant. You've given us authority to use your name, Father. So in the name of Jesus, Father, we curse it right now at its root, Father. We command it to desist and stop now in the name of Jesus. Father, I draw a bloodline around linked up church. Every family, every friend, every visitor that graces the doors of this building, Father, COVID, you have no right to be here. COVID-19, Delta variant, go now in the name of Jesus. You cannot enter this place. Every time we come together, every time we worship, we are safe in the name of Jesus. And Father, we call it to an end, Father. However you desire to end it, Father, we call it to a close. And we declare that America and the world will come back greater, will come back stronger. God, you will be glorified more. More people will get saved as a result of this. Revival will come to America and the local church, Father. You will turn all of this around for our good and for your glory. And Father, we thank you for every prayer that has been prayed. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus. And now, Father, we lift up our voices with one accord. You said that anytime we pray according to the word of God, you hear us. And we know that we have the petitions that we have desired from you. 
And so, Father, we lift up our voices in praise and thanksgiving right now, thanking you that every prayer that was prayed has been supernaturally answered. So we shout hallelujah. We shout glory to God. We say thank you, Jesus. We declare, God, that you are good, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. You are not only the God that hears prayers, but you answer prayers, Father. So we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we praise your holy, mighty, and majestic name, Father. It will be even as we have prayed. Peace in Haiti, Father. Restoration in Haiti, Father. Peace in Afghanistan, Father. Restoration in Afghanistan, Father. COVID virus, stop now in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. We glorify you in it, Father. We put all of our trust and confidence in you, Father. We seek your face. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked ways. Come on in and heal our land, Father. Turn our hearts back towards you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Folks, the church needs to pray more now than it has ever prayed in the history of the church. And it's interesting that we're praying less when we should be praying more. I don't think God is going to allow anybody to be hurt that decides to come out for one hour on Saturday morning to pray about what's important to God. God does nothing in the earth unless his people pray. Say, if my people, if, it's the conditional clause in the contract, if my people, if, if, if. See, an I church prays alone or not at all. A we church prays together. So how do we do church? We gather around God's word. We do life together. We share meals and we take communion together. And we pray together. My wife and I are getting ready to take over connect groups. And you've probably just heard the core values of a connect group. Gather around the word. Do life together. Share meals and pray. It's just that simple, folks. Then God will add to the church daily those that are being saved. I have a weekly challenge for you all. Have you all been doing the challenges? Have you all been doing them? Okay, listen very carefully. Invite someone over for a meal or take someone out. And you just heard some of the criteria for that. So it doesn't count if you two go out to eat together. That doesn't count. What's the criteria for? Think about somebody that cannot do anything in return for you. You can also, listen to this, pay it forward in the drive-through. This would be blessing the stranger and pay for the car behind you. Starbucks, wherever you get your fast food from, just say, I want to pay for the car behind me. And if you could, if it's not breaking your company policy, just tell them God loves them. Second challenge, attend Saturday morning prayer this upcoming Saturday. See that one hand clap right there? One hand clap. Right? Watch this. Now, again, we're not forcing anyone to come in the building or participate online this upcoming Saturday. 
either come in the building or participate online. Watch this. And then, or commit to arrive 10 minutes early next service, next Sunday, for pre-service prayer. So service doesn't start at 8.30. Service starts at 8.20. Why? Because God does nothing in the earth unless his people ask. If my people, if, if they will humble themselves and pray. If, then I'll heal their land. How many know our land needs to be healed? God says, I'll show up when my people show up. Everybody clear on that? While you're in this attitude of prayer, I want to pray over your lives. This is not the conclusion. See, the end result of this is that we grow. That's the end result. The next time I'm up, I'm going to talk about growth. Because if we're doing these four components, Linked Up Church is getting ready to explode. I'm going to tell you what I'm after, folks. I'm after changing a city. Let's change the name of 278 or what is it, James Hardy? What's the name of this road? CHJ. Let's change it to Linked Up Church Boulevard. Linked Up Parkway. Because all we're saying is you can go to hell. You just can't get to hell through Powder Springs. You're going to have to go around Powder Springs to get there. Because if you ride down that road in Powder Springs, the Holy Spirit getting ready to hit you. Lift your hands to the Father. Lift your hands to the Father online. I want to pray for you. If you're in this room today, if you're watching online, Father, help us to walk out your core values for the church. Help us to prioritize your word in our lives, Father. Help us to prioritize doing life together. Help us to prioritize sharing meals and taking communion together. And Father, help us to prioritize prayer. Make that the heartbeat and the foundation for everything that gets done here. It gets done because your people are willing to pray about it. So Father, challenge us even greater than what we live currently to be more of what it is you're calling us to be and to do. That is my prayer, not just for myself as the leader, but for every person that you've given me authority over in charge and care for, Father. May this be an environment, Father, that values what you value from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we wanna invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I wanna to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected together. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. 
You can also watch live services, watch past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 833-988-2009. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.